Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Friday, April the 21st, 2023, at 11.38 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, worship turning a secular prophet. Today's focus is how could your worship service at your church How could you listening to worship music lead a secular company turning actual profit? Like, like, have you ever given this any thought? Has it ever even crossed your mind that your worship service could actually be leading a secular corporation to make money, to turn a financial, a financial profit? How, how could your worship, listening to worship music, here's this big secular corporation and you're actually making them money. Have you ever given that much thought? Does it even bother you in any way, shape or form? You may be questioning, well, why are we talking about that for today's focus? Well, here's what was happening. I was listening to music and I know you're going to be shocked by this. I was listening to secular music. Oh no, secular music. But you're a Christian. You should never listen to secular music. Okay. I I don't know if you've experienced this in your Christian life. We'll talk about my experience. But as I was listening to secular music, I'm like, well, okay, I need to turn this off and I need to focus on I need to focus on what to do for a live broadcast for my theology podcast. So I just grabbed my iPad, opened my email, and here was the subject line. Our worship is turning praise into secular profit. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Our worship is turning praise, the praise of God, into secular profit. And I'm like, okay, wait, wait. We, I, I got to know what's going on here. I have to know what's going on here. So I opened the email. It took me to Christianity Today, but it said, hey, if you want this article, you have to subscribe. And I'm like, no. But then underneath it, it said, hey, if you sign up today for a free account, you can get access to three articles for free. And I'm like, sign me up. So I signed up, I logged in, and now I have the article in front of us. Now, I I, I haven't even read it yet, but I'm interested in this because this raises lots of questions about, well, praise and worship music, uh, you know, what's happening in churches with their use of praise and worship music. We did a podcast not too long ago where we talked about how basically all the praise and worship music in churches all across the United States is controlled by five churches. I think it was four or five churches. And we talked a little bit about that. That didn't spark as much conversation as I wanted because I don't, I don't think the average church member, t- now let's just be fair. I don't think the average church member they don't really care, right? They don't care where the song came from. They don't care whether the song came from Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation Church. They, 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 I mean, let's just be honest. They don't care. Someone, the, the praise band is up there. They start, you throw the words up on the big screen. They sing them and they go home. And let's be honest, even in a conservative church, right? They don't really care about who the hymn writer was, what the hymn writer believed, that what church they went to. Let's just be honest. It's, it's very like the, the, nobody is sitting there going, Oh, that praise band released an album in 1980. Like no, nobody's getting into all of that. You, you show up to church 
whatever the music is. Now, you, the, the only thing people may care about is some people like, well, that was too loud or that had too many drums or they're, they're, they'll get into that kind of discussion. But they're really, for the most part, there's always some, but the average person doesn't really give it much thought. It's just, that's the music played. We sang the songs. Now they want to know if they liked them, maybe if it moved them emotionally. Some people will have certain things about it, but really getting into the weeds of it all, I don't think most people care. Now, should you care? Well, I think when you look around at the American church and most of its music is controlled by five churches and at least one of those churches, at least one, I would just classify as full-blown heretical, and that is Bethel. I mean, anything coming out of Bethel is cancer. It, it's poison. So I would be like, you should care. But that gets into a whole, I mean, that, there's a lot there we could talk about. But I was not prepared for an article about how the worship music is actually turning praise into a secular prophet. So we we will get to this in just a second, but I have to go here. All right, I have to go here, and I'm warning you, warning you. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on my soapbox here, right? I'm going to I'm gonna go on a little bit of a mini rant. So 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 be be prepared. I'm, I'm gonna go. I, I have to do this. I have to go on a little bit of a mini rant. I have to. I have to. I, I just I absolutely have to. I've got my pencil here. I've got it here. We have to talk about this. We just do. We do. All right. I'm trying to give you a second to prepare. I'm trying to give you a second to prepare. I'm trying. All right. You know what I'm getting ready to go on a mini rant about, right? All right. Before I sit here and read an article, whether agreeing with, disagreeing with, whether praising or condemning how worship music and how praise and worship has is basically turning a secular prophet. Before I criticize this in any way, shape, or form, even if I'm going to, whether I'm going to praise it, condemn it, whatever I'm going to do, before I can even cross that bridge, on this side of the bridge, I have to stop here and go, my, there's a bigger issue here that Christianity Today will not write an article about, nobody wants to talk about. And that is the preaching of God's word turning a prophet. Forget a secular prophet, because within American Christianity, and it's been going on for a long time, the preaching of God's word, right here, taking the Bible and opening it and expounding scripture has been turning a prophet. You say, no, it hasn't. Yes, it has. Because throughout a very long time, the Christian conference complex, we can call it the Christian conference industrial complex has existed and it has bothered me over and over and over because people register and pay money, $50, $100, $200, $300, whatever the case may be to walk inside, in some cases to walk inside a church so that the latest Christian celebrity can open a Bible and preach it. And as soon as they're done preaching it, everyone runs up with their cell phones. Oh, will you take a selfie with me? Because I want to post it on Twitter that I'm standing next to John MacArthur or I'm standing next to whoever. Oh, look at me. Oh, will you sign my Bible? Here, will you give me an autograph? And it's like, nobody sits back and goes, what is happening here? What is going on? We paid money to get into a building to hear someone preach the word of God. The preaching of, so, so what are you paying for? 
Are you, now, some people say, well, I'm not paying to, to hear the preaching of God's word. So then you're paying for the celebrity, access to the celebrity. So you're paying for celebrity? What are you paying? You're paying for the teaching of God's word. And you assume that that teaching is so far superior to just the average pastor and a small church that you will pay money to get in. And whenever I criticize that, everyone's like, oh, you've got a problem. What is wrong with you? Now, I, I'm sorry. And, and I get emails constantly about these Christian conferences. Constantly. And register now. You can save $100. But, but if you don't sign up today, by tomorrow, the price is going to go up $100. Get your tickets now. It's going to be life changing. We're going to be talking about the deity of Christ. We're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God. We're going to be talking about, you know, the scriptures and the modern, whatever the issue is. And then people like, oh, it's sold out. Who we packed it out at $300 ahead. It was a wonderful time. God be praised. All glory goes to God. Well, where's all of that? Well, where's all that money going to? The people speaking at the conferences already come from large churches where they obviously have a decent salary that takes care of them, right? So, so their church can't support their travel, food, so that they can extend the ministry of their local church to speak at that conference. The churches coming together to hold the conference can't pull their resources to, well, I mean, if it's being held inside a church, it's not like you're renting out the building. So... Where is the money going? And if your church wants to host a conference, won't you have the people in your church volunteer to do the jobs that are necessary to pull it up? I, I don't know. It just, it, I just look at it. It's like a money-making scheme. The preaching of God's word is now a, it's just a product that we sell. And I know that my condemning of that gets me in trouble over and over and over again. Look, I know you disagree. That's fine. You just pay your money, go to your conference and, and be happy and that you now know more about the Bible than the rest of us poor, poor people who don't pay hundreds of dollars to go to conferences. You're now more spiritual than us, more godly than us. You know more than us because we didn't go to that conference. Um, Oh, yeah. So exactly. Uh, I'm sure if it was free, uh, they would receive donations. Yes, absolutely. And I'll I'll just give you an example, right? Back as a teenager, young Christian, brand new Christian, um, I was, you know, trying to learn the world of Christian music, which we're getting ready to talk about here in a minute. And um, I got the opportunity to help out Carmen in one of his concerts. Now, I knew a little bit about Carmen, and Carmen did something very interesting at that time. While contemporary Christian music was really beginning to, to grow rapidly, the, the Christian music industry was really taking shape. What was getting ready to explode in the 90s was really in its infancy. I, I won't say it, the infancy, the infancy, infancy stage would have been in the 70s, but really it was starting to kind of get its legs under it. And so the Christian music industry was really starting to grow. Well, Carmen, all of his concerts were free. He did not charge people to get in. And it was an elaborate stage production. He had dancers. He had this. He had that. He played literally in Texas Stadium here in, in Arlington, Texas. Uh, I mean, that's a that was where the Cowboys played, this huge stadium, free. People could get huge stage production. But guess what he did? In the concert, he asked for donations. But it was free for anyone to get in. Free to, for anyone to get in. And I volunteered and I helped out on a couple of Carmen uh, concerts. 
helping out with sound equipment and doing different things. And uh, it was it was it was really cool to at least see that. And I obviously disagree with his his theology. Who you know was straight up charismatic. So, um, but. I thought it was awesome that he felt that what he was doing was ministry and then he wanted to minister to people. And if you're trying to minister to people, you don't charge them $50 to get in. Then when I'm in Nebraska, I've told the story. Stephen Curtis Chapman is coming to uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and he's playing at a big Assemblies of God church. So he's playing at a church. <laughs> Tickets. To get in to see Stephen Curtis Chapman was, I believe, $50 a piece. Well, I'm, I'm like a broke airman, right? In the United States Air Force. I'm like, you see, if I take my family, that's a hundred dollars for just me and my wife. That's another hundred dollars for my two daughters. I'm like, that's, that's $200 for me to get in to see a Christian singer supposedly minister to me through music. I'm like, that's ridiculous. So we, I, we, we emailed and we, we had, you know, and we asked some hard questions about, come on, explain this. And they were like, well, you know, it, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of cost involved that you don't understand. I'm like, okay, well, explain it to me. Well, one of the things we have to do, we have to rent out the building at a large cost. I'm like, wait a minute. The church is charging you money so that you can come minister to people in song. And nobody sees a problem with this whole thing. Nobody sees anything about it. Now, again, if you just say, and now I, I have a completely different perspective. If you say, look, 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 I'm a Christian. I make music. I am not a minister. I'm not a pastor. I'm not trying to minister to anyone. I am playing music from a Christian perspective. If you want, and I'm going, and I'm a musician. It's how I make my money and I'm going to charge for it. But the minute you say it's ministry, the minute that you say you're trying to reach people for Christ, you're trying to help people grow as a, the minute you say it's a ministry and you can have my ministry for the low cost of $50 to get in the door, that's not ministry. That's a business. If you say we are going to hold this conference because we want people to understand this doctrine, but you can get in if you pay us a hundred dollars, that's not ministry. That's a business. That would be like me putting a bouncer at the front door of my church on Sunday and saying, if you want to get in to hear the sermon, you've got to pay a $50 cover charge. That's insane. So I've already got a problem with a lot of this. Uh, yeah. Okay. A good point. Uh, and some charismatic conferences, that is true. They let people in for free and then you, you then give a donation because that's your seed money for like word of faith, right? That is it, somewhat, that's kind of fascinating because I have seen a lot of charismatic things where they do let you in for free. Carmen was charismatic. He let you in for free. But then I think he would say about giving money or planting a seed in his ministry. Now that I think about it, that is kind of interesting. If you're conservative, you're like, just pay money to get in. If you're charismatic, it's like, get in for free, but plant your seed in my ministry so that you can be blessed, right? So it is interesting perspectives. But here is the article, all right? Here is the cover. This is a cover story from Christianity Today. Now, I, I'm i just going to be very honest with you here, all right? One, I don't know where this is going. Two, I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those situations where it may require my 
Theology Central listeners who are detectives to really go on the hunt to try to figure out exactly all the information about this and exactly how we should think about this, right? I still think we need to do more work on how five churches control the entire worship of churches all across the United States, you know, how, how Christendom has handed worship over to five churches. That is a fascinating trend in my, like, how does Hillsong, Bethel, uh, Elevation Church, I don't remember the other two, how they have taken over worship. Like, that to me is fascinating. Just from a purely humanistic, practical standpoint, forget theological. Like, how do all the churches just like, you guys control all of our worship? You tell us how to worship God. You tell us what to sing. That is, now, I'm not saying every church, because obviously there's churches like ours who don't use any of their music. We use you know traditional hymns, but it would be interesting to know like that, that is fascinating, but let's see where this is going to go. Here we go. Headline, our worship is turning praise into secular profit with corporate, with corporate consolidation in worship music, more entities are invested in the song sung on Sunday mornings. How will their financial incentives shape the church? Oh, there's so much right there. Let me read that again. With corporate consolidation and worship music. So these corporations are consolidating within worship music. And now more entities are invested in the song sung on Sunday morning. So when you go to certain churches and you're singing songs, there are now entities invested in what is being sung there. What, what, how is this even happening? I, I've got so many questions. And then it says, how will their financial incentives shape the church? If you've got entities out there that has a financial incentive in what you're singing in church, this raises some serious questions. This, this oh, I, I need to know more. I need to know more. So, so let's read a little bit here. I'm going to do a lot of skipping around. I'm going to look for the things that I think are, are, uh, Jumping out at me, if that makes sense. All right, here we go. When worship, and I'm going to start at the very beginning so we at least get the beginning context, the introduction. When worship leader Jonathan Anderson selects the song Lion and the Lamb for a service, he thinks about what it means for his multi-generational Assemblies of God church to sing about the return of Christ and his final victory. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. We have older people who love to imagine seeing God's face, who look forward to that, to seeing pure beauty, said Anderson, who serves at Bethel Church in Ohio. Songwriter and recording artist Leland Mooring, who performs with the band Leland, started composing the song at a worship event. He found himself and those with him profoundly moved by the words and music as they took shape. Mooring told New Release Today, we were just weeping and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. God dropped the whole course of the song on me right there. Now, already there, I get a little nervous because if God dropped the chorus on you, then you're saying the course was inspired by God, like scripture. I mean, if God gave you the course, he gave you the words, then your course is inspired scripture. Okay, all right, so, all right, you can see. I'd have to read the course to know, is it directly from scripture? Because if it's not directly from scripture and you say God gave it to you, then you're saying it's inspired. Okay, you, you get you get where I'm going. All right. 
Um, now, here we go. It says, eight years after its release, eight years after its release, Lion and the Lamb remains, remains among the top 30 contemporary worship songs sung in churches on Sunday with recordings by popular bands, including Leland, Shane and Shane, and Big Daddy Weave. The song's continued popularity means congregations lift those powerful words and praise each week. As Morning and his co- and his co-writers, uh, industry veterans Brenton Brown and Bethel Music's Brian Johnson hoped, and each time churches like Anderson sings Lion and the Lamb, it adds up, especially if the church is live streamed. For Christian music licensing companies, corporate labels, and private investors who have come to see the Christian corner of the industry as a previously untapped income stream. Oh, I think I get where this is going. If you live stream your service which includes the music and that music is copyrighted, you're going to be having, having to pay some kind of royalty, some kind of access fee in order to live stream that. Or you would be in copyright violation, meaning now the live streaming of church services, that's a revenue stream. And those corporations who own the rights to those songs now are, these are corporations with all of these other factors coming into this, right? These, they're, they are licensing companies, corporate labels, and private investors that you may not even know who these private investors are, but they're like, hey, we can make some money. I'm going to invest some money right there. So now every time a, a church service is live stream and the song is played, people are getting paid. Now, I've never even given that five seconds of thought. That's never even crossed my mind. One, we've never live streamed our music or we just live streamed the sermon. We've never live streamed anything else. Have you ever given that? I've never given that much thought. Oh, let's read more. Okay, now, now, now I'm almost stopping. I'm almost fascinated right here. All right. A portion of the rights and royalties for Mooring Song, which would have once been continuously paid out to the song's creators and label, were sold at auction in 2020 as a part of a $900,000 package to a private investor. The bundle of songs had made $156,393 the year before, more than three quarters from the use of lion and lamb. The investor who made the winning bid was quoted, was quoted an industry projected return of nearly 15%. The words and melodies that stir hearts to worship each Sunday are also intellectual property or known as IP on the market. 
Caught up in a recent surge of acquisitions across the music industry, the investment activity has become a feeding frenzy, according to an an industry executive. With worship, hits a small part of the billions invested in IP and royalty streams. So these songs become intellectual property. There's, and if you stream it, there's royalties, there's licensing fees that have to be paid and people are making money. So now these private investors, you don't even know who they are. They, they could be an atheist for as far as you know. And they're like, hey, I'm going to invest in this. This is a way to make money. And then they're making money when you're worship, so you're, your church is worshiping God. And the next thing you know, these people, these corporations, secular corporations are making bank. That's I can't, I can't even wrap my mind around this. As churches worldwide sing and play live stream songs like Lion and the Lamb, How Great Is Our God, and 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord, the popularity of these songs has ushered Christian music further into the mainstream music industry and the vast economic ecosystem, adjusting to make a profit in a new era. Trends towards IP acquisition, lucrative arena tours, and corporate consolidation have helped drive record-setting revenues over the past two years. The touring industry saw uh, $6.28 billion in 2022, and recording revenues in the U.S. reached an all-time high of $15.9 billion, growing for the seventh consecutive year. Many Christian artists, including those whose careers and brands are built on worship music, are benefiting from this growth. Now, making money from the from the genre is nothing new. Obviously, Christian artists have been making money from making you know music forever. All right, um, I'm going to skip down here, and, and I would challenge you to go read the whole article. Um, let's see here. I'm going to see if they break this down anymore. All right, here we go. Um, so, uh, Capital Christian Music Group, for example, has acquired major Christian labels. So they acquired, uh, 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 acquired, uh, a number of these different Christian music labels. All right. Um, and now they include artists like Chris Tomlin, Hillsong, United, uh, Crowder, Cody Carnes, Jesus Culture, the Newsboys. And uh, last year, it claimed to have 60% market share of the top 10 worship songs used in churches. So Capital Christian Music Group, that's Capital Music. They have they have a subdivision, which is dedicated to Christian music. But Capital Music is not a Christian-owned, it's a secular record label. But they have a subdivision for Christian music, right? So they come along and they acquire all of these Christian labels. These are Christian-owned labels. They acquire them. So now Christian labels are owned by basically a secular record, record company. They now acquire 60% of the market share for the top 10 worship songs used in churches. So the top 10 worship songs used in churches can actually turn a profit for a secular record label, a secular record label that many Christians will like, they put out trash. They put out garbage. They, no, no, you're supporting them. <laughs> That's hilarious to me. All right, hang on. Let's see how this all plays out. These songs get licensed for services, for church services. 
and events through Christian Copyright Licensing International, CCLI. So CCLI, it's the Christian Copyright Licensing International. The organization began as a resource to keep churches from violating copyright when using lyrics and music from worship artists. I didn't even know this world existed. Call me naive. Call me dumb. We just go to church, open a hymn book and sing. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that, hey, we could be that. Well, I mean, I don't, we can't be sued for using hymns, but I, they're, 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 hey, there's some churches that they're probably violating copyright like crazy or possibly. All right. Um, hang on. I'm going to look them up. I'm going to look up the Christian. Copyright Licensing International. Let me see how this works. Let me see how I'm going to go to the website. We need to do we need to do some serious work. Uh, we need to do some serious work on this. We do. All right. Okay. All right. I'm. I'm. I was looking. I, I got emails inviting me to some conference I need to register for. See. So. All right. That's my other issue. All right. So. Here we go. Um. Okay, here. So song select. The best place to find licensed audio samples and lyrics along with vocal cord and lead sheets for more than 100,000 songs of worship. All right. So um, copy, uh, copyright licensing. Copyright licensing prote- protects everyone. It honors the artists and publishers who create the best music and video to serve the 250,000 churches who use them in worship. CCLI makes creative work available and licensing simple, legal, and affordable. All right. Um, I'm going to view pricing. I'm going to go with ministry. All right. I'm just going to say how many, it it asks me, um, okay, so how many people regularly attend your main weekly worship? I'm just going to put 500. I'm going to put 500. All right. Uh, if I want CCLI streaming plus license, uh, CCLI streaming license, CCLI rehearsal license. So if I get all the license add-ons, I don't know how many of these I would need. Let me see here. If I do the plus, it looks like it's going to be about $500 a year. It looks like it would be $500 a year or more. All right. So in other words, a church has to pay between $500 or more a year. Five, I think 500 is a pretty good starting place right there. About $500 a year so that then they can play the music. So the church has to pay to play the music. They play the music and then this is going to create a way for then the artist or the record company who owns the rights to get then paid. That, that, oh, it's just a whole business. Now, the music industry has begun to see the popularity on CCLI as an indicator of a song's ongoing profitability since over a quarter a million churches, a quarter of a million churches worldwide, uh, churches worldwide license their worship music through the ministry. So over a quarter of a million churches uh, license their music. A listing selling royalties for the line and lamb package noted that two thirds of the annual profits could come from CCLI. 
$100,000 and that the earnings were stable. So in other words, that just that one song is going to be bringing in money on a stable basis because churches constantly play the song or and use the song. CCLI also ranks songs based on weekly usage as reported by churches. It's licensing protection covers. According to CCLI, Lion and Lamb landed among the top 30 songs sung at churches of spring 2023, eight years after its release. So eight years after its release, it's still being... Uh, uh, well, okay, good question. Someone said $500 a year for one song. No, I, I don't, I don't think it's for one song. I think it's $500 a year. And then all the songs that are covered by them, you can use. So you would have to look at which songs that they offer of that they, that they license. And then you're paying the $500 a year, I think, to utilize whatever songs that they're doing. So, and then every time the church uses that, it seems that it kicks off that, 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 that the record company then is going to get some money per the times that it is being used and sung because they keep track of how on a weekly, they're, they're keeping track on how frequently these songs are sung. It says a Christian radio hit makes a little more for a little while, said Andrew, um, director of artists uh, for Integrity Music. Um, and and, so, and, those, and uh, worship songs bring in a lot of income. The song-centric nature of the worship music market works to its advantage. In a rapidly changing industry, how often do you pay to listen to music? Revenue from songwriting and publishing royalties in the niche uh, and, uh, have re- remained stable income, sources of income, if I, if I can read everything correctly. Uh It says royalty revenues for worship music have increased substantially because of the sudden rise in churches, live streaming and posting services, recordings to YouTube. Before 2020, most churches covered by CCLI for the use of contemporary worship songs were paying $170 to $250 per year for licensing. The right to legally stream performances of these songs required churches to add a new streaming license, which can cost another $110 a year based on on a church attendance of 400 people per per week. The cost increased with church size. So here's the thing. If you want to live stream one thing, if you want to live stream and post it, now it's another thing. And then the size of your church. So all of this comes into factor. Then you sign up for a package and then they're like, okay, you're good to go. Everything is covered. Everything is covered. Everything is covered. And I, and I, and I, and I've been, I have, I have questioned this a little bit. There's a, there's a broadcaster on the Sermons 2.0 app. I don't remember the name of the broadcaster, but he'll talk a little bit. Then he'll play some music. Then he'll come back in and talk a little bit and then he'll play some music. And I've, I've been thinking, is he paying for a license to play that music? If not, it's straight up uh, copyright violation. Like the music that I play, right? For my intro, right? This. All right, for that intro music for today's focus, we paid, I think, $40, 
35 or $40. And that was just a one-time fee. And now I can use it. I can use it. But I had to pay for it, right? Uh, because I didn't want to violate any cover. Our, uh, our spoken intro, you know, uh, you're, you know, uh, welcome to today's, uh, welcome to Theology Central, however they say it. I, I, I'd have to pull it up. Uh, we paid, I think, $50 for that because uh, we, you know, the person who did the voiceover. So we had to pay. Now, that's not a licensing thing. We, we just, we get the license with it. We paid for a one-time fee. But in this particular case, so I, so sometimes when I hear people playing live music on, say, a Sermons 2.0 broadcast, I'm like, I wonder, do they really, do they have the right to do that? Because clearly there can be a, and on the CCLI website, there's a place to report a copyright violations. <laughs> there's a place to report copyright violations. Um, it says about copyright, what we provide, who we ser- uh, serve. Let's uh, see here. Um, Oh, auto reporting here. Report the songs. You, oh, no, here's the, uh, you've got to set up, you got to report the songs that you're using. That's what they're reporting. You've got to report uh, the songs that you're using. Um, yeah, see, I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, and then you got, I mean, yeah, here we go. Yeah, and just immediately look with Bethel. Look, uh, here's uh, they, they name all of the different uh, places. Sony Music, they, they Universal Music Group. These are straight up secular uh, record labels. Uh, you've got uh, Capitol Records. Uh, you've got now you've got some Integrity Music is here. Bethel Music is here. Jesus Culture. Sony is here. Getty Music. Universal is here. Capitol is here. Uh, essential worship Hillsong is on here um so so yeah it's interesting uh they 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 do they got all of this stuff set up for you to know what to do oh and so is it there's a, even a rehearsal license the rehearsal license enables you to share songs among your musicians for rehearsal purposes Copy or share commercial audio recordings via email, external drives, or with worship planning software. So, I mean, you even got it. You need even a fee even for the rehearsal aspect of it. I mean, I never even realized how much goes into all of this. I mean, I'm, I would just tell everyone to go to look up CCLI. CCLI. Everyone should just look this up and just re- read about it. You, we, we, we should all become more and more familiar with CCLI. All right. Um, and again, CCLI is the Christian Copyright Licensing International. CCLI. This is the organization that, that basically you, you go through to be able to do all of this. All right. Um, it says the most successful recording artist. Uh, have still been able to achieve long-standing hits on the CCLI charts. Their songs now appear on sites like Royalty Exchange, where investors can evaluate them as financial assets. So see, if you get, if you, if you're a CCLI, it's like, oh, everyone's using this song. Everyone's using this song. Everyone's using this song. This song is popular, right? Then that song becomes worth more. So then that song can be taken and then placed on a royalty exchange where then an investor can see, ooh, thousands of churches are using that song and it's now viewed as a financial asset. That is insane. Historically, there has been very little interest in back catalogs of Christian artists. In contrast, the general market, 
uh, said in his 20, uh, someone said in his 2021 book, God Rock Inc., the business of, of music and the Christian market. There is a comparatively little demand or even awareness of older music and artists. Now, that's true. Um, if you've, uh, I, I dedicated two over two years of my life studying the entire history of contemporary Christian music, and it's amazing how Christian the Christian music world doesn't really, you know, preserve, promote, and share the history of CCM. It's kind of like, oh, they were then. Now let's just move on. Let's forget our past. And from a music history perspective, you want to see. You want to be able to go back and listen to it all, right? You would want to go back and go, oh, okay, that album led to that album and that changed it. Yeah, it's, it's just weird. But yeah, there, there's very little interest in, in Christian world. I, I don't even get me started. Why? Um, for example, they give, an, they give an example here. Um, uh, it says here, uh, there was a songs fund, a Blackstone-backed music rights investment company Recently acquired a stake in the back catalog of Third Day, Jason Ingram, a producer and songwriter who has worked with Chris Tomlin, Matt Maher, Carrie Job, Lauren Daigle, David Crowder. They go on a, a, a number of people. Uh, is it, the same entity that acquired the rights to Justin Bieber's catalog in January 2023. So, in other words, the same company that acquired Justin Bieber's back catalog also is the same company who has a lot of these Christian artists. So you can be like, hey, kids, we're not going to support that secular music world. Well, if you go to church and your church is singing any of the songs from these artists, lo and behold, you're still supporting them. If you listen to them in just on a streaming service, any of these Christian artists, you're supporting the very secular company that you supposedly don't want to support. Uh, that's, that's hilarious to me. Um In January 2022, the privately funded publishing and talent management company, Primary Wave Music, acquired a stake in worship artist Matt Redman's entire publishing catalog. So there's all these companies out there grabbing these things. The royalty exchange listing for the 2020 auction of the asset package with Lion and Lamb even named CCLI as a notably Listen, unique and lucrative income source whose earnings are quite stable year over year. The listing also clarified that 78% of the catalog's income comes from the lion and lamb referring to the song as the star of the collection. And you should just read this whole article. I'm not going to read it all to you. You should just read it all. Again, go to ChristianityToday.com. If you've never signed up for a free account, sign up today and read the article, Our Worship is Turning Praise into Secular Profit. I mean, you should really dig into it today. Today's focus, I, I mean, I, I was only, I mean, I always say it. I'm supposed to go 15 minutes on these episodes and I go 43 minutes, but this is what I'm focusing in on today. It's what I'm focusing in on today, that when you get into it, it's, I didn't even realize that, hey, oh, we're going to do this song. We got to buy a copyright. We got to make sure we, do we have our copyright licensings? Okay. Is this song available under our copyright license? Yes. Okay. We can sing it and we're going to live stream it. Okay. We got to have an extra layer of protection. Wait, we're going to use it in rehearsal. We have an extra, we got to buy all of these licensing, uh, licensing copyrights. 
agreements, you buy the agreements, then you can use it. Then every time it's played, you report it. And then this kicks off royalties to the artist and to the record company. And much of that money and profit is going to secular record companies or to these secular anonymous financial groups who see the music as an uh, just as a financial asset. Meaning that Sunday morning worship, I hate to say this, not in every church, but in large and many churches, Sunday morning worship is nothing more than a big business. It's money to keep it going. Money is being spent to even put on the show. Money is being spent and even to sing the songs. I mean, that's a long, that that's to me seems a long, 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 long ways removed from Christians getting together to pray, to praise, and to preach, and maybe to partake Lord's Supper, baptism. Pray, praise, preach, partake. Simple, simplistic. Now it's copyright. It's it's all. It's a production. It's a team. It's a huge building. It's all the money that goes into it. It's a staff. It's all of these other things. How far removed have we gotten from what it was all supposed to be? I don't. How do you feel about all of that? Some of you are going to be like, "How did you not know any of this?" Because I'm a little small church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. You think we're like, "Hey, do we have a copyright?" I mean, first of all, we're singing hymns, okay, from the Trinity hymnal. All right, that that's what we're singing. Oh, we have the faith and praise hymn book. We do have that. We do have a little handout that I guess you could call them praise choruses. We do. We we sing scripture songs, right? We sing Psalm 19. I mean, there's John, uh, John was it 17, Isaiah 40. Like we, there's all these, we just sing scripture. I mean, you know, you, you, as far as I know, that's not copyrighted, you know, to sing scripture, now, I understand you can say, well, some translations have a copyright, and then you're like, is it the Bible's copyright? Is it the notes? I understand that there's a lot. I mean, there's so much of this business aspect to the world of ministry and Christianity that goes beyond what we even perceive. And so then sometimes you stop and go, you see why more and more money is needed to keep that, to, to keep the mechanism turning? Why they need to get more people? Like sometimes I, I wonder, as much as churches claim that they want to get more people so that they can teach and minister and, and see salvation, it's hard not to see that they need more people because that person represents possible an income stream. In other words, money coming into the church so that they can maintain the, the, this big whole thing that's been created. The next time you go to church and you sing a worship song, I don't know what kind of church you go to. A copyright probably was purchased in order for you to sing that song. And that is going to possibly generate income for a secular record label that you're probably telling your kids, you can't listen to music from that secular. You, you cannot listen to music from that company. Right. In fact, I'm going to look at something. I'm going to look at something. I could be wrong here. It would be it would be hilarious if it's true. Hang on. I'm going to look here. 
Uh, let me see here. Um, I wonder what, I wonder. I'm going to, I'm going to laugh here. Give me a second. Give me a second here. Uh, okay. Here. Hang on. Let me look here. Just, just stay calm. Stay, stay patient. Stay patient. Stay patient. Not stay calm. Stay patient. All right. I wonder if I could get. Wonder if I could find out. Oh, <laughs> this is great. The song Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. You know, the one that everyone was screaming and yelling about. And, and, and Christians were like, oh my goodness, they performed Unholy on the Grammys and it was satanic. It was horrible. This is the worst thing ever. Guess what the label is? Capitol Records. <laughs> Capitol Records, Capitol Records, the one who also has their subdivision, their Christian label. <laughs> so there are people who are in church going, I can't believe what they did at the Grammys. It was a, it was an abomination before a holy God. Kids, you can never watch the Grammys again and you will not listen to Unholy. Now everyone stand and let's sing this Christian worship song as we give money to Capitol Records. <laughs> That's hilarious. You don't find that funny? Am I the only one laughing? I guess I'm the only one laughing. That's funny. Now, I understand the average person sitting in the pew. They don't understand that. I don't even know if the church really understands that. They, they're just like, oh, we have to have a, license, uh, a licensing agreement to be able to play these songs. Great. They don't go, well, wait a minute. Who owns these songs? Where's the money? Like, they're not following the money. They're not, they're not walking the money trail. Now, how it all works, obviously, is complicated. That's why I said at the very beginning, we may need some of our listeners who are detectives to go, go to work on this. But it's like, follow the money. Like, I would like to know from like, okay, here's a church. They buy, they, they, uh, they buy a song or they buy a licensing agreement. And then they get access to these songs. They play those songs. They report the use of that song. Now, how does, how does then that money go from the licensing company to the record company? Now, if any money, if you're singing any, and just think about this, I don't care how small amount it is. If your church is singing a song that ultimately leads money back to Capitol Records while you're running around screaming about banning unholy, you're literally supporting the record company that put it out. Now that now look, I like to me. I think that just shows the ridiculousness of when people try to boycott things, and because you always say everything is always so complicated and convoluted like this. But it just shows you that in a weird way, the church, its worship, is making money for secular record companies and s- private investors and financial groups. That's crazy. Now, I, 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 maybe it's no big deal. Maybe it's not as crazy as it said. Maybe right now, remember, I told you I had not read the article beforehand. So I want to make sure I'm being very transparent here. I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm trying to process all of this. I'm trying to figure it all out, right? I'm trying to figure it all out. 
because it would be interesting to me. Like, for example, for example, I, you know, if I had the money, like I would be, it would be curious if I bought a licensing agreement because I remember early, early on, early on. Okay. So I'll just, I'll end with this early, early on when, uh, Chris Rosebro, Chris Rosebro started his program, uh, fighting for the faith on pirate Christian radio. He started like this online radio station called pirate, I think pirate Christian radio. And, um, uh, and I contacted Chris Rosebro because I was like on his program, Fighting for the Faith, a lot of times he plays audio clips from songs. And I'm like, how are you playing those songs, right? Like, man, that's a copyright infringement. You can't do that. And he's like, well, he tried to argue that he could use it for fair use, right? And I'm like, well, the fair use thing is, hey, you know, Chris, there's a little, that's a little iffy. He's like, well, I also bought, and I can't remember what group he said. He gave, he sent me the link to some site where I could buy like a copyright agreement and I could use these songs. Now he, he sometimes, he's playing like clips from secular songs. He's not playing uh, clips from Christian songs in many cases, or he used to. I haven't listened to him in a while uh, because now he's more YouTube and I, I just want an audio podcast, Chris Rosebro. Could you just put back an audio podcast where you, where it shows up every day, right? Okay. Can we do that? Can we do that, Chris? All right. But all right. I, I digress. And I looked into it because I was like, oh, I would love to be able to like, I'm sitting here broadcasting and I could throw in a, you know, like I could, I could maybe do a three hour program and then break it up, right? Where I play music, you know, a little, uh, you know, and, and so I, I was just, how could I get the licensings for this or just play a clip if I wanted to make a point? And I was like, well, that's a lot of money. I don't know. I don't have the money to do that. And, and even today, um, when I was, con- cause I'm considering doing that little experiment where I broadcast for like, you know, I don't know, we do like a 24 hour thing and I come on like today we're starting broadcasting and I'm, and I'm going to be playing sermons. And, but in between the sermons, I'm going to do things like ask questions about the previous sermon, maybe preview the upcoming sermon and then play music in between. Right. So I was like, okay, what, what do I do? Well, I went to where I buy all of my music and they got lots of hymns, Right. Uh, in, in, instrumental hymns and thirty dollars, twenty five dollars, forty dollars, fifty dollars, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't have a money really to buy a bunch of those. Maybe I could buy one or two, but if I could buy like four or five and have them saved in a folder, then I, you know, after I play a sermon, then I could come in and then boom, just I don't even have to say anything, just go into the music and then come out of it going okay, and and or I could use the music. And, and, and like I could use it for the podcast in a normal way. So I may buy a bunch of those. All right. But guess what? I don't know where that money, I'm not going to tra- tracking down where that money is going to. I mean, the, 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 the company where I buy my music is clearly not a Christian company in any way, shape or form. So it's going to a secular company. So I would be buying hymns that I could play where the money would be going to a secular company. I, so I don't give it much thought. Now, I don't give it much thought because I'm not like all the other Christians out there going, oh, we got to boycott this. And oh, no, we got to stand again. I will never watch the Grammys ever again. I will not support such trash. And then your church is literally supporting the record company who put it out. <laughs> that to me is the funny part. If that's exactly how it plays out, which is what this article clearly seems to be implying. And seems to be indicated. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and read the whole article. It would take us all day, but there's a lot there to unpack. So it's Thursday. You're going to be going to church Sunday. What are you going to sing? 
any Bethel, any Hillsong, Elevation, any of the song? Does your church pay for a copyright uh, uh, licensing agreement to use their worship songs? That, that's something. I, I, that's probably a, a something you want to ask your church now. If you go to a church that does any kind of praise and worship, they're not just singing traditional hymns. Hey, are you guys? Did you guys pay for a licensing agreement? And if they say yes, who's your licensing agreement with? Oh, CCLI. Interesting. Okay. Now, and you, you, you may not bother you, or it may bother you. I don't know. I'd love to. I'd love to get everyone's feedback on this today. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I know I've got some smart listeners out there who knows far more about this than I do. Some of you are probably laughing like he just caught on to this in 2023. What an idiot. I may be an idiot, but I, I I've not remember, I've never lived in that world of the big mega church, the, the big evangelical church, the, the whole praise and worship. Like that's a whole, that's a world foreign to me. So I'm more than willing that I, I don't understand it. But if some of you gone to large churches where they clearly have, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've seen some of the churches some of you go to, you've sent me uh, emails with links to them and they clearly have a praise and worship band and they clearly do praise and worship music. So... Your church, I'm assuming, has a copyright, a licensing agreement. Now, if that, just think, if even if you're not using Bethel, just, just think how weird this is. Even if you're not using Bethel or using Hillsong, if your copyright agreement to play whatever you are playing is with the same licensing company, well, then in a roundabout way, you're still connected to Bethel and Hillsong because you're getting, you're paying money to the very company that gives the agreement to those same other record companies and those same other groups. So like, how do you even like, there's like, there's no degree of separation at some point. It's just one big industrial complex called Christianity. Christianity is a business, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how much we want, we sell the preaching of God's word and we sell the praise of God. Love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful day. It is, did I say it was Thursday? It is Friday. And I hope you're having a wonderful Friday. And I would love for you to focus on this whole issue and give me your feedback. Newsif at yahoo.com. And that is your today's focus for Friday, April the 21st, 2023.